guys. Good to see you. Um, how many people have read this book, Peace Child? Excellent. Not very many. Highly recommend. It's by John Richardson, um, and it's about this missionary and his family who went to Papua New Guinea and brought the gospel to tribal people in the middle of the jungle. Um, and, okay, so the book starts out talking about this guy named Ye, or Ye, or I, I really have no idea, but I'm going to say Ye. Um, Ye met a group of guys in the forest who was from a rival tribe, and um, he was very skeptical, but the man who approached him seemed to, he said that he was family, related to him, and he wanted to bridge a gap between his tribe and the other tribe um, through their friendship. And so this man, Ye, decided, um, despite the risk that he could definitely be killed if he agreed to this, um, to take that risk and, and be the man who would build a bridge between these two tribes and they could be a unity that could fight against um, the other warring tribes that were attacking them and he would receive honor as the hero of the story and it would all end perfectly. And he, he decided to accept that and he went to this village um, and the man in the forest met him and embraced him warmly um, and assured him that he would be safe. Um, and then... And then that went on for seven months, and he went to this tribe 11 times and visited, and each time was received warmly. And that first time that he went, he gave them gifts um, because they still held a great grudge against his tribe because of something that I have no idea what they did, but there was a great grudge, and so he repaid them through gifts. And they received that gift and said that it was covered. Um, well, the 11th time, he was in the man house, um, which is where the men all gathered, and... Um, in that moment, he discovered that they turned on him, and they had used that whole seven months to prepare this malicious scheme to take revenge on that tribe, um, and they killed him. And um, yeah, his wife um, records this song that his wife composed when she was mourning his death. Oh, who will deal with the children of treachery? Oh, who will overcome those who use friendship to fatten their victims? Oh, what will it take to make them cease? Um, so this tribe is mourning the death of their brother, and then they take revenge, and they kill four or five other men from the other tribe, and it's just this endless cycle of death and destruction. And whether it's happening across the world in a little tribe in New Guinea, or it's happening between friends at CSU, this is this bitter cycle of unforgiveness um, that must be dealt with. Um, and Jesus teaches us um, a new way, um, and it's such a good way. Um, so we are looking at Matthew 18 um, tonight, and we're just going to go through piece by piece this big chunk of scripture. It starts um, in verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So Peter um, is thinking he's being very generous when he says seven times because the accepted number um, taught by the Jewish people at that time was three times and no more. Um, and so Peter knows that Jesus is really focused on forgiveness. And so he's like, wow, seven times. He's like really, really generous. So I'm going to suggest that. And Jesus just blows it out of the water and says 77 times or some versions say 70 times seven which is just like abundant. You are to forgive again and again and again and again. 
Um, so that is, that's his response. And then Jesus explains it further by telling a parable. Starting in verse 23, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So we're going to start and just like pick apart the verses that we read tonight piece by piece. The first um, that I want to focus on is 10,000 bags of gold um, and what that means in our currency. Um, so the message behind 10,000 bags of gold is that it is totally unpayable. Um, it is worth somewhere between $12 million to $1 billion in our money today, um, depending on what kind of currency that they were actually talking about in the passage. Um, and what I wanna bring to our attention first um, is that this in the parable represents our total crushing weight of our own sin. Um, we talked about sin and holiness two weeks ago. It's very fitting to go alongside this um, because I really believe that when we look at forgiveness and forgiving one another, we have to understand um, how much God has forgiven our own sin. Um, so 10,000 bags of gold is just this huge weight that is placed on this person. And, and he, I don't have no idea, it doesn't say how he actually got into that debt, but he did um, by his own doing. And um, that is our sin. It is, it is this gigantic weight upon us um, that we can't repay and that is just sitting there. Um, Psalm 40, 12 says, For evils beyond number have surrounded me. My guilty deeds have overtaken me so that I am not able to see. They are more numerous than the hairs of my head, and my heart has failed me. So I don't know if anyone has ever felt this, um, this weight, <laughs> that guilty deeds um, are, are just overtaking you and more numerous than the hairs on your head. Um, but that, that is the reality of it um, for every one of us, that there is a really, really deep, um, heavy weight upon each one of us that we're being crushed under. Um, and we just don't see that very often. Um, but God sees our hearts and sees the very depths of it and knows exactly what's there. Um, and that's, that's just the case of it. Um, so next we're going to look at um, the justice um, of this king here. So it says that he wanted to settle his accounts and the man was not able to pay. So the master ordered that he and his wife and his children be sold to repay the debt. Um, so this kind of shows here the, the justice that, like the king, God enacts on, on our sin. And we had quite a hard time, um, and I think we talked about this two weeks ago, just a hard time like actually realizing um, that this is just, that he, he demands repayment. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but I, I think that it's so worth wrestling with in our own hearts and with people, um, this idea of God enacting justice on people um, and judgment. Um, but that's what the master does, this king in the story. 
is he demands repayment. Um, another we, thing we see in this is his cry for mercy. He says, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. And it's kind of just silly to think that this $1 billion worth from a servant, he, he thinks that he can repay it. And I discovered in a commentary that um, that amount was like the total revenue of three different provinces within that area. So like this man is saying like, I, I will be able to pay all of that that, you owe, that I owe you if you just give me time. And it's just ridiculous to say that because it's impossible. And I think that we do that with our own sin. We think we can repay God. We think that um, we have the ability to make ourselves right before the, the judge. And, or, or we think our sin is so tiny that it doesn't matter at all. Um, and both of those are just... Um, not right, and God sees right through it, um, and it is, it's foolishness to think like this servant, um, that I can pay back everything. Then we see the king's reaction. Um, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Um, he was stirred with compassion. He had mercy on the servant. He freed him from the weight of his debt, and he let him walk away without any consequence as a result of his plea. Um, this reminded me of Psalm 103, 8 through 13. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I think that it can be a really scary thing for us to face our own sin and to feel the condemnation of it, but we see that when, when we look to God, this is his response to us. Um, he looks at us with compassion the same way that the king looked on the servant, and he gives us pardon, and he lifts the entire weight of it away from us and removes it as far from us as the east is from the west, which is this infinite circle. <laughs> um, it's totally gone, and that's how God looks at us. So it's, it's a scary thing to be face-to-face -face with our sin, but it's like this entryway into abundant life. Um, and into total forgiveness. So it's so worth it. Um, the next thing we're going to look at is verses 28 through 31. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. So, a hundred silver coins is about a hundred days' wages. I don't know what it is in our money, but um, that's a lot. A <laughs> hundred days' wages is a significant debt. Um, and what we can learn from this right now is that 
when we're looking at forgiveness, we are not to minimize the offense at all. Um, God is not okay with sin, and he doesn't expect you to be okay with sin. And so when someone has wronged you, it's, God is not calling us to say it's okay. He's calling us to say, I forgive you. Um, so that's the first thing we can look at. But um, in that, we need perspective because this 100 days wages is one six hundred thousandth of the debt which the king just forgave. Um, so the whole basis of this forgiveness um, is that God has forgiven us a crazy amount and we have zero right to demand repayment from someone who has done a far more minor offense in God's eyes. And yeah, again, that's not to say that it was an okay thing to do or that it dismisses the wrong, but it's to say that it is so significantly less and we need that perspective of what he's already done for us. Then um, we see the, the servant plea. Um, he says, um, it says, he fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. And that's the exact same thing that the servant said to the king. He said, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. Um, so in these moments of unforgiveness, there's a question for us. Will we remember the mercy that we received? Um, we have asked the same question. Um, be patient with me. Have mercy on me. And will you remember that um, and act accordingly? Um, we see that this man did not remember that. <laughs> he refused and instead went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. So every one of us has a choice between justice and judgment or mercy. Um, and when we are wronged, we get to choose whether we will take this route or the other. Um, and a really big deal in this is to remember that God alone has the right to judge, and it is not ours. Um, James 4, 1, 12 says, there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. And um, I've also been going through 1 Corinthians 4 lately, and it says, um, I don't care if I'm judged by you or by human court, I don't even care if I'm judged by myself. Like, that just doesn't matter to me. What you think doesn't matter to me, and what I think doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is what God thinks of me. Um, and he searches the heart, and he will bring everything to the light, um, and he is the one who will deal accordingly. Um, so we need to remember when we're faced with this choice to forgive or to not forgive, that God is the judge and we are not. And if we try to take that, that seat of judgment, we are taking the place of God. Um, there's an incredible quote by Miroslav Volf, who I think is a Croatian theologian. Um, I recommend just Googling this guy and looking up all of his different quotes because they're all amazing. He says, my thesis is that the practice of nonviolence requires a belief in divine vengeance. My thesis will be unpopular with man in the West, but imagine speaking to people as I have whose cities and villages have been first plundered, then burned and leveled to the ground, whose daughters and sisters have been raped, whose fathers and brothers have had their throats slit. Your point to them, we should not retaliate. Why not? I say the only means of prohibiting violence by us is to insist that violence is only legitimate when it comes from God. 
Violence thrives today, secretly nourished by the belief that God refuses to take the sword. It takes the quiet of a suburb for the birth of the thesis that human nonviolence is a result of a God who refuses to judge. In a scorched land, soaked in the blood of the innocent, the idea will invariably die like other pleasant captivities of the liberal mind. If God were not angry at injustice and deception and did not make a final end of violence, that God would not be worthy of our worship. So we, we need to put our trust in a God who is faithful to judge. Um, we need to know that he is just and he is good. Um, and when he sees the wickedness and the pain and the evil and the hurt of this world, he is weeping and he is not okay with what's happening and he's going to act. And that is a good thing and it is something that makes him worthy of our worship, not something that we should turn our face away from him because of it. Um, and yeah, in our forgiveness, um, man, like, I don't know what you guys have gone through, um, but some of you have been through really intense trauma and have been deeply wounded. Um, and God's not okay with that, um, but he is the judge and you are not. Um, and you can trust him that he's going to take that upon himself. Um, next, we're moving on to 32 through 35. It's the master's reaction. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I, as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This, Jesus says, is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So um, the king calls him wicked. Why is he wicked? It says um, because the king had canceled his debt and... He didn't show mercy as he should have after that. Um, so we need to remember, I mean, the whole thing, this whole forgiveness deal lands on that we have been forgiven much. Um, and God's response is to, to label it as wickedness when we refuse to forgive when we have been forgiven. Um, and... Yeah, that's just it. We, we must do this. Um, it is a part of the kingdom of God to forgive as we have been forgiven. Um, the consequences of it, it says, in his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Um, so here, the man is receiving justice um, as he should have from the beginning, but the mercy of the king um, made a different way, but now he's receiving that justice. Um, so there's a lot of results of unforgiveness. Um, one is this inability to receive God's mercy. In other passages that Jesus says, it says, um, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Um, and this isn't to say that you are to work for your forgiveness, because we know from Scripture that that's impossible, and none of our works will ever make us right before God. Um, but it is to say, like, if you cannot forgive someone, it shows that you haven't internalized the 
the immensity of your own forgiveness from God. Um, so there's just this divide that happens when, when you receive, refuse to forgive. Um, there are physical effects of unforgiveness. I found two different studies from University of Pennsylvania and John Hopkins Medicine that says that unforgiveness results in increased anxiety and depression, elevated blood pressure, vascular res resistance, um, decreased immune response, and worse outcomes in coronary artery, artery disease. And it also like flip-flopped flip it and said um, that when you do forgive, there's a decrease in depression and anxiety and all of those other things. Um, so yeah, our bodies and, and our soul and our interactions are so interconnected. Um, another consequence is in the social realm. Obviously, unforgiveness puts a block between you and your neighbor. Um, and yeah, God is the peacemaker. And he came that we would be reconciled to him and to one another. And he came that we may be one as he is one. And unforgiveness totally blocks this um, and makes it so that we, yeah, we have resentment against the people that he has called us to love. Um, a thing I wanted to touch on is that each one of us are a gift to one another um, that God has placed in our lives. And yeah, it's just, man, it's so special. Like, I'm looking back at... Um, like the people who have moved away that I've gotten to have really deep relationships with in this community, and I'm blown away with how much of a gift it is to have them in my life and to have learned from them and walk with them. Um, and yeah, God did that. God gave that to me, and he gives each of you to each other, and unforgiveness just drives a wedge in that. Um, a caveat to that is that forgiveness does not equal reconciliation, and there are times when it's actually damaging for reconciliation, and that, I think, is between you and God to decide, and I recommend talking to your brothers and sisters about that, um, to discern that. Um, reconciliation is bridging that relationship again and making it um, alive again, basically, and it requires both parties to be on the same page about that. Um, and forgiveness is something that is in your heart, and it is not initiated by an apology. Um, it's not something that the person has any role in, really. It's just between you and God. Um, and so, yeah, that's just to say that. Okay. Um, Jesus says after this parable, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart, um, this is how the Heavenly Father will treat you. Um, this part about from your heart, I thought, stuck out a lot to me. Um, from it, we can see what is forgiveness. We're going to jump back to verses 23 to 27. Um, it says, The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So we learn from this that the king showed mercy, had compassion, did not demand repayment, and allowed for a clean slate. And if we jump back to Psalm 103, um, we can see the same thing, that God towards us is filled with compassion and grace, is motivated by love, lets go of anger, releases us from judgment, entirely removes the mark and stain of wrong. Um, and that's exactly what we're called to. 
Um, we are called to show mercy to one another and have compassion on one another and not demand repayment and allow for a clean slate and um, be motivated, motivated by love in our interactions with one another and let go of anger and totally remove the stain um, from that relationship. That is our responsibility as followers of Jesus. Um, Isaiah 1:18 says, Come now, let us settle the matter. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Um, we must look at the way that God has treated us if we are to learn the way that we are treat, to treat one another. And God has called us to love as he has loved us, and he has called us to treat others as we have been treated by him. In Chi Alpha, we say what God wants to do, or what God has done in you, he wants to do through you. And we're talking about responsibility and sharing the, the wonders of the salvation that he's given us to the world around us. But I think it can apply here to forgiveness, that what God has done in us in this dramatic forgiveness in our hearts, he wants us to do through us um, and, and forgive the people around us and therefore show the love of God to the people around us by our actions toward them. Um, and it's really important here to remember that um, God really cares about those people who have wronged you. Um, he responded to the servant um, with anger because of the way that he treated his fellow servant. And um, it's the same here, like God... God wants to give that forgiveness to the people who have wronged us, um, just as he has given forgiveness to us. Um, he really cares about that. Um, some practicals on how to forgive. Um, number one, search your heart and um, ask God to reveal ways in which you're not forgiving people. Um, I have, Elizabeth gave me this check sheet. If you scan that QR code, it goes to a Word doc and you can make a copy of it and make edits. Um, but it's basically just a list of different relationships that you could have, and it tells you to go before God and like search out each of those categories so that he can reveal places of unforgiveness in each of these different relationships. Um, another practical is to pray for those who have hurt you. Um, because God loves them, and when you bring them into prayer, he can give you his heart for them. Um, and then some more spiritual practicals are, um, yeah, bringing this back to our own forgiveness. Um, we need to understand the weight of our sin and the great debt that God has against us. Um, so ask the Lord to reveal that to you um, and med meditate on how he has treated you and ask for eyes to see how he has forgiven you. Um, another really big deal here is that, um, yeah, all of this is acting as Christ would. Um, I found a commentary that said, God sees his own image reflected in his forgiving children. And we know that when his image is reflected in us, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so you need to ask the Holy Spirit to enable you to forgive. And that brings me to this amazing quote from The Hiding Place, um, which is by Corrie ten Boom. And she was a woman who hid Jews in her house during 
the um, Holocaust, and she was caught. Spoiler alert, so sorry, but you should still read it. Um, <laughs> so her and her family were caught, sent to a concentration camp, and this is from the very end when she um, is speaking. So after she's freed, she goes around and starts speaking and doing these amazing things for the kingdom, um, sharing her story from that time and sharing God's faithfulness. And it says here, um, it was at a church service in Munich when I saw him, the former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbruck. He was the first of our actual jailers that, had, that I had seen since that time. And suddenly, it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy, her sister's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming, and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. To think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to the people the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for the stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not our own forgiveness any more than our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. Again, it is foolish for us to think we can do this on our own. Um, we so badly need the Holy Spirit to work in us, and he will. It's just a promise that when we ask from him, we will receive. When we ask for more of him, we will receive more of him. Um, and God longs for us to be restored. Um, and a forgiveness is a really big part of that. Um, and he's going to provide the way. So to close, I wanted to touch on the cost of forgiveness to bring this all into perspective. Um, justice, as I said earlier, justice demands satisfaction. Um, and God has the right to judge. And we expect him, if we're trusting him to take care of all of the evil in this world, we're going to expect him that he'll do it justly. Um, and Wolf said that a God who does not work out the wrongs of this world is a God who's not worthy of worship. And we know that our God is worthy of worship. So how did he figure out how to bring justice and forgiveness at the same time? Um, in the Old Testament, forgiveness of sins was bought by the sacrifices of animals. Um, blood poured out year after year after year. And the Bible tells us that God's final solution for all who turn and cry for mercy, just as the servants turned, um, is his son. Um, yeah, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says um, that grace is costly because it costs God the life of his son. 
Um, it is not cheap. It is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear price to pay for our life. Um, and it's just crazy how much God loves us to do that. Um, to pay the steepest price so that we could actually be forgiven and set free from those chains and restored into the life that he created us for. So we'll end just reading Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I was thinking about it during worship, that none of us would be in this room if it weren't for forgiveness. Um, we just would, not, nothing in our lives would be the same. Um, and yes, in Psalm 103, it says, our sins are removed as far from us as the east is from the west. And that wouldn't be possible if Jesus hadn't come and died for us. Um, we would still be crushed under that weight. We would still be without hope. Um, and this conversation of forgiving one another probably wouldn't even be a conversation. Um, so I want us to close to, number one, think about um, just the immensity of his love for us, that he would actually do this for us. Um, and, yeah, ask him to reveal, yeah, his forgiveness for us and ask him to reveal the, the greatness of the cost that it took him to make this available for us. And then I want us to break into small groups um, and talk to each other about whatever the Lord is laying on your heart tonight that you need to bring forth and forgive. And we are so key in this. We really need each other to work through these things. And every one of us has these things. Um, so coach each other through it and um, pray for one another. And, yeah, talk through um, what needs to happen at this point. And I'll come back and pray us to a close in five to ten minutes. Okay, guys, we're going to come to a close. You guys are welcome to continue um, talking together or praying together. Um, go to post post, play games, have fun. Um, I'm going to pray. Jesus, I praise you, God, that you are at work among us um, and you are doing mighty things in us. Um, I pray that you would continue to reveal what needs to be removed what needs to be worked through what needs to be forgiven god and give us the strength and the power to do that would you restore broken relationships god um would you draw hearts near to you god would you be exalted because you're so worthy of being exalted jesus we love you we pray these things in your name amen Ooh.